You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. Good afternoon, everyone. Good to be in church, hey? Um, I love what Trevor was saying last week about the church. It was lovely, wasn't it, when he said that it's, um, you know, it's so important that we are a part of the church and how it blesses us. I just love his word, it was just beautiful, wasn't it? Anyway, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I thank you this afternoon for an opportunity again to share your word. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just open up the hearts of every one of us here to hear what you have to say, Lord. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just help me, Lord, to convey what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm going to just... Um, I've got a few thoughts there. Um, but my first one, I've got to find my notes first. Um, to make sure I've got the right ones. There. Okay. Um, I'd like to read Psalm 42 first. And I know Annette read this last week. And I actually um, love this scripture, but I, I mean, I love a lot of scriptures. But I like this one. And it, it was just um, something the Lord was. Um, just laying on my heart, even when I, I spoke last time when I was here about my marriage and what God was doing in my life there. And it says, As the deer pants for the uh, stream of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with you? My tears have been my day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. So here David's really talking about how he, he, his heart really pants for God and, and he has a real desire here to, um, you know, really come into where the Lord is. And, and um, I just, uh, when I was talking the last time, I was sharing how I could, and I still relate this part about like when you fall in love, how... You can't wait to see that person and you can't wait to talk to them and you, you just want to be with them. And this is related here to the Lord and David's going through something here, which we all often do, go through things. And he's saying, you know, down further, and I didn't get that far down, he says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Um, put your hope in God. And here, I just want to say that there are times we go through things and we um, feel really down. And Judy, you should have taken that fly with you. And um, <laughs> why are you cast down within me? And he's saying, there, look, I was saying, you know, we have problems and we sit there and we look at ourselves and we think, why am I feeling like this? This is terrible for me to be in this place. I've got pain. I am lonely. I am sad. I am sick. I am in pain. Why am I like this? Where is my God when I need him? And David's saying this, and he's, it's all right, you know. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay, and I want to say that. When you're really feeling down in that, it's okay because there is hope in God. 
There's always hope in God for whatever we're going through. I know I was saying, sharing with someone about while Graham's been sick and um, I've been sort of feeling a bit lonely at times, not because Graham's not there. He is there, but he's not there because he's sick and times he's been in bed and uh, when he was in hospital and like we always do things together and he would make me a cup of coffee in the morning and when he's been sick, he, he, I didn't get me a cup of coffee and I didn't, and do you know, there's just things like that, just walking together and I don't feel like doing that because you're not well and I mean it's got nothing to do with how he feels, it's just I'm talking about going through periods of loneliness and I think about the people, even though it's just on a very small scale, I just think about the people that are on their own. How many people do we think that are on their own at times and they're lonely? And sometimes I don't even think about them. What about the people that are single parents or their husbands are away working? And I was talking to my granddaughter and her um, husband, he works away week on and week off and often she's on her with the kids and she said, I feel like a single parent and I know that my heart goes out because of just that little little light in this area. My heart goes out to those people, you know, but I just want to say that there's hope in God and we can talk to ourselves. It's all right, you know. We can talk to ourselves and say, do you know what? I remember when God did this for me or he did that or he healed me and I know that I can trust in you, God, to carry me through. And um, she was sharing with me the other day, my granddaughter who um, works at the Christian school and they do devotions, and she said, you know what I want to share about the rainbow? She said, and you know, I never really knew that the rainbow was a circle. She said, I always thought the rainbow was an ark. She said, and that's all I could see was the ark. She said, and when I went into the study, I realised the, the rainbow was a circle. She said, and I was looking at an ark. She said, I wasn't looking at the full picture. And I said, that is amazing. I said, because I'm, I'm sharing at church and I said, I'm going to share that because sometimes we don't look at the whole picture and just looking at ourselves sometimes, we don't see the whole picture, do we? And we don't see, even though it affects me if I'm feeling down, we affect so many people around us, you know, and, and it affects our children or it affects our husbands or our wives or the, our friends or our family. How many people do we, uh, uh, is affect when we go through these things? You know, and I was thinking mainly of people, kids and adults that are, are self-harm or they take drugs and they run away and they do all these sorts of things. What sort of effect does it have on all the rest of those people that are around them? You know, and I just think that we as Christians need to be aware when we're going through something, let's look at the full picture and think, yes, I'm going through that, but how many other people are going through certain or similar things? And I was listening um, to um, something, um, Jill actually from Orange on the service this morning, and she was... Um, brought a scripture out there at 55 and she said, do you know what, if you're going through something, come, come to the waters, come to where the Lord is, come and drink. You don't need money. I've got everything that you need, every single thing that you need, the Lord has to fulfil those needs. And um, 
I just think, too, the other thing was I heard something um, through the week, someone say, when we're going through things, look up. Look up. And that goes for all the young people, everybody here, look up. Because I was thinking about the um, Bible study that we had not that long ago, and it was um, um, on the wonder of the Lord, just, just the wonder of just walking and seeing the beautiful things out there. And we need to look up and, and see the stars in the night, look up and see the trees. And you know what? This guy was saying that when we look down, and we do a lot of it because we've got our phones, we're looking into the phone, or we're looking into our tablets, or we're looking into the computer, and sometimes our TV is sort of like that. It's not always sort of like that. And we look down a real lot. But do you know that it has an effect on your spine? Because when you look down, your spine, is your head's not in line with the spine, and it causes headaches. And it can cause a lot of pressure on the back of your neck. So that's just a little thing I just threw in there. Just so is that I think we all need to look up because we are the head and not the tail, aren't we? Anyway, that was just a little entree. I just... <laughs> what I wanted to say. Hey? Yeah. Anyway, I really want to um, talk about something the Lord's been talking to me about for a while, and it's prayer, actually. And uh, you probably know more about it than what I do, but God has just opened um, this up to me because I... Uh, and my Bible's falling apart. I'm sorry, but I like this one because I like the version and I like the print. Um, so I, I want to talk about prayer and I'll, I'll start off with, you know, all what we think about what prayer is and of course we know that it's communication with God and we talk with God so it's a two-way thing, isn't it, when we talk to God and we expect God to talk back to us and um, I mean there are all different types of prayers and even as children, you know, there's a prayer that I used to pray all the time and my mum would say, before you go to bed, pray. Uh, when I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, um, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And that was a prayer that I often prayed. And then there's the Lord's Prayer that, that we can pray and we do get into a, a religious thing, don't we, as kids, and we can do, of just praying those sorts of prayers. But the other um, prayer that I looked at, and I, it's really been a challenge to me, um, this, and it's really extended my borders in looking at this, and it's the, um, the tabernacle. And, um, of course, Moses, um, the Lord said to Moses, he wanted him to build a tabernacle in, when he went up to um, the Lord in the mountain. And he said to, to um, um, Moses, he said, Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle and I want you to um, go back and I want you to tell the people um, that I want this tabernacle and I want it with all these different um, items to go in. He was very, very specific about what was going to go into this tabernacle. And Moses, of course, uh, went down and he told the people and um, this tabernacle that he wanted to build, 
It was a place that God really wanted himself. And I just think, why? Why did God want this tabernacle? And it made me think about, you know, right back in the garden when Adam and Eve, he um, created Adam and Eve and he walked in the garden with them. And that garden and that Eden was a really place of, of, of God's presence where he could be. It was God's sanctuary. He could talk to Adam and Eve and he could, you know, converse with them. But when Adam and Eve sinned, then it broke that relationship down, that, that, that relationship that he had. And, of course, they were taken out of the garden. But God said, I want this here tabernacle so I can come and be present with the people. And I just think that's beautiful, isn't it? I want to be present with the people. I want to come from heaven and I want to make my presence accessible to the people. I want this to be where you can come and you can have fellowship with me and you can talk to me. I want to make myself available to you. And it's God, you know, who comes after us all the time. And I think about the prodigal son. Remember when the prodigal son left home and uh, when he decided to come back, he didn't just go and meet the father, but the father was at the top and he looked down and he saw his son coming and he ran toward him and he welcomed him and he wanted to be in the presence of, of the son and he gave him a robe and he gave him a ring on his finger and welcomed him home. And isn't this like God to want to be with his people? I just want my presence to be with you. I long for my presence to be with you. And it's like this here with David in, in this 42nd um, verse of Psalm. Oh, look, my heart pants like the, the, the deer. You know, I want to be with you, God. But yet God really wants to be with us. He longs to have his presence with us all the time. And that's what it was all about. And the, the structure of this tabernacle, of course, you might know more about it than I do, was very specific with the items and the curtains. And I looked at the pattern there of the actual um, tabernacle. And if you look at it from at the top, it looks like a cross. So, um, and this here tabernacle is um, used as a pattern of prayer, you know. So, when you look at the tabernacle there, it talks about, um, first of all, there's a, um, this is what I said, it looks like a, a cross, but they had a gate at the front and an outer court. Then you go into the brazen court and onto the, the lava and in, into the Holy of Holies. But the Lord had the, um, these 12 tribes of Israel and they were all camped around the actual um, tabernacle and there was a gate right at the bottom of the outer court and none of these Israelites, regardless of who they were, they could not get into the tabernacle or into the ark, into the presence of God. They had to go through the gate. And this is just so significant of us today, isn't it? When we become Christians, we cannot come in to a, a, the realm of prayer or, or to where the presence of the Lord is unless we come through Jesus. Because Jesus said there in John 10, he said, I am the door, or I am the gate, I am, you know, the way, uh, the truth and the life. 
and because of the death of Christ, he made it possible, didn't he, for us to come through into that court where he is. And in that outer court, there were curtains there and they were white, which represented the righteousness of God. And he said, this is my righteousness here where I am in this court. And I, you, you really need my righteousness because in the Bible there, he talks about the righteousness of God and it says, you know, that our righteousness, this is filthy rags, it talks about our doings, our things that we do, you know, they're not really what God wants. We can do what we like, can't we? We can work all day, but it's really not going to get us into the presence of God. We need Jesus' righteousness and we need his, um, uh, the blood of Jesus to get us through there. And I'll tell you what, in prayer, some people or Christians, I'm not saying here, I don't know, we can stay in that outer court. It can be a prayer of, thank you, Jesus, for today. Bless mum, bless dad. Bless Johnny, bless this one, bless that one. Look after me, see you tomorrow. And that can be the prayer in the outer court, often, you know. And honestly, God wants us to move on as mature Christians, move on in further where he is, you know, into a great mature... I'm not saying that you're not saved there. I'm not saying that you won't go to heaven or anything like that. But the Lord has things that are greater in prayer for us to move on into the um, other areas. So after the gate, then there was um, um, the actual um, brazen lava it was, and there there was that, and then the brazen altar. This, this is sort of going into where, where the Lord is. But where that was, um, and I can read 2 Peter 1, 5, I'll go there, but he's talking actually about an area where the priests were, and only the priests were able to um, actually be there where this was. Um, I'm going to go over to 2 Peter, um, what did I say? Um, 2 Peter 1 to 5. 2 Peter 1 to 5. No, was it 1 Peter? Let's have a look. Sorry. I'm looking for the scripture anyway on the priest. Sorry. I know it's there because <laughs> I read it. Wonderful and his divine power and ever love. Precious thing, for I possess these. Qualities of areas in measure, now keep them. Oh, therefore, another be all mine. Sorry. It's really about the priest and um, talking about, and it's nine, sorry, to Peter, one nine, sorry. Um, I can't even see that. I'm sorry. He's talking, the priests were the only ones that come in to where the altar was. And 
the actual uh, function of the, the, the priest that came in there to the brazen altar was, first of all, they had to wash their hands. They had to come and they had to, to wash first. And um, then they would go on to make sacrifices. And that was their uh, altar. And remember, uh, and you probably know about the sacrifices uh, that they made, which were animals. They had to kill animals and they had to be absolutely spotless. They could not have any blemishes and the different animals were treated differently. And um, thank you, Jan. And I don't know why my nose is running. <laughs> thank you very much. I'll get to it. Thanks. Yeah, so um, they, um, their function was to, first of all, to wash and then to, um, to, to make these sacrifices. And um, the only way that we really could... Um, or the people then could go through to the Holy Holies was through the priest. And these priests had to be clothed in different sorts of garments. And there was all stipulations of, of what they needed on their head and their body and everywhere. But, you know, that scripture I'm looking for there, and it just says that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And he's talking there about us being priests. And, you know, these people that were priests that like Aaron and the other priests, they had to qualify to be there. They had to be qualified to be priests. And for us to, um, this scripture where he's saying royal, to, for us to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation, we too need to be qualified. We need to be qualified um, to be able to um, be a priest. And that's what the Lord was saying. We are priests and um, we are of the, the, the royal priesthood. And we as a family in the church, the Lord says, you know, you're a royal family, you're a royal priesthood. And the only way that we become that is because we identify with Christ. The only way we can is when our identity is in Christ. And what is our identity in Christ? We're crucified with Christ. When Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood, we've accepted that. We've accepted that Jesus died, that he shed his blood. We were crucified. We were buried with him in baptism. When we went through the waters of baptism, and if you haven't been through the water of baptism, then it's a time when we can be buried with Christ, where all our old sins go down. It's a, a signification of, of being buried with Christ. And then the resurrection. We are raised up with Jesus. And uh, then we sit on the throne with the Lord. And... That's the way we identify with being priests because we've accepted that, we identify with Christ and um, we become a, a priesthood because of those things. But until we come to that part of it, then we aren't really qualified to be a priest in Christ if we haven't given our heart to the Lord and we haven't done these things that we need to be able to do those things to qualify to be a priest. Um, the other thing is um, the sacrifice. And um, Annette prayed today about being a living sacrifice. And here on the altar, when you go in, they um, could lay down the sacrifices. And um, as I said, it had to be without spot, spot, spot and blemish. And when we come to the Lord, and this is what the Lord would have of us, that we be living sacrifices and that's really something that God wants of every one of us, 
to be able to sacrifice ourselves before him and that there were two stipulations there, wasn't there, the sacrifice and the offering. So you're able to sacrifice but you're able to give an offering and um, it's very significant in prayer because until we do those things become a living sacrifice and offer to the Lord we can't go on into the holy of holies to make those petitions before God and the other thing um, that we really need to think about in terms of the royal priesthood is um, using Jesus as a an example because Jesus was a a priest according to the um, order of Melchizedek and I've gone a little bit into Melchizedek and he was a king and and couldn't you can't we can't go into the kingship until we're a priest and we need those priestly things there is an order you know that we are able to um, obtain or possess is have these things to go into that holy of holies And the other thing about Jesus was, and we look at um, when he was on earth and, uh, you know, his ministry for 30 years was really about his family, wasn't it? He was a carpenter, he did all those things. And then for three years, his ministry began. And the first thing that Jesus really did when he was on earth that we can identify was pray. And Jesus was a prayer. And uh, he prayed in Gethsemane. He prayed. It was something that Jesus did. And of course, the Bible says, you know, pray without ceasing. But Jesus prayed so much that he dropped dropped, um, blood, tears, and he was so taken up with a burden for what he was praying for that that's what happened to him. He had this all laid on him that he carried Whatever he had to pray for, Jesus carried it in prayer. And that is an example for us in prayer, is being able to carry others' burdens to the cross of Calvary. But as I said, until we become those priests, until we follow those things, we can't enter into that place where Jesus was, okay? The other thing, the example of Jesus is the sacrifice. And Jesus sacrificed himself, on the cross, he, he, he became a sacrifice, didn't he? When he died on the cross and shed his blood, he became a sacrifice that we might become like him, where we could have our sins forgiven and that we would be Christians and we would be a part of the priesthood because of the blood that Jesus shed. And he says to us, you know, we need to do that. We need to be those living um, sacrifices. We don't have to kill ourselves, not physically, But, you know, I think when we sacrifice some things we have to die to, some things we have to deny to become that living sacrifice for Christ. And um, the Bible does talk there, doesn't it, about um, um, our bodies being a temple of the Holy Ghost. I think it's Corinthians 16, 9. He says that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost. And even though they had this tabernacle years ago, He came, Jesus um, made us a tabernacle, didn't he? Our house. We are a house for God to dwell in. And uh, we don't, I know there's heaps and heaps of churches around and they're accessible to us. And this here tabernacle actually was a mobile tabernacle they carried around and uh, they could take it. So God, they could um, 
really access the presence of God. But I think it's just absolutely fantastic that we are living sacrifices and we are living temples that we can just access um, the Lord. And um, so because of that sacrifice and Jesus made a way for us to go into the Holy Holies. He made us really to go into the very presence of God. And when Jesus died on the cross, of course, there was a veil, there was a curtain that hung down between the Holy of Holies and actually it was the holy place and there were two curtains there. One was resurrection, I think the other was concentration. I'd have to have a look at that again. But that, it says there that when Jesus died, he ripped that curtain down and then he, we were able to go in. And there's a song we sing, which is really nice, Within the veil I now would come into the holy place you know, and that curtain was ripped down and we don't know any longer have to go through anyone, only through Jesus because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and that's the only way that we can go through the Holy of Holies and this is so beautiful, isn't it, that God made a way for us so as that we can enter in his presence and we can do that every day of our lives, enter into the presence of God and we not only can do it for ourselves but we can do it for others and... Um, these, um, this tabernacle made it so clear to me in, uh, in prayer that, um, you know, Jesus uh, made this way for us. It's beautiful, that study, and there's so much more. You could go on for hours and hours about all the different things, the colours that represent different things, and there's the candlesticks and the, the lampstand and other things that I haven't mentioned, but um, that's um, what a pattern for prayer was that outer court and the brazen court and then we go in to the other place. But look, when Moses went into the mountain, this is what I want to read this to you and please, I'm going to find this. It's going to take me all day. Oh, that one. Yeah, that's all right. I'm just going to... Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I just want to read this to you because um, it's... Um, Exodus 19, 3 to 6. And um, it says, Then Moses went in to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Israel, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You uh, yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you um, on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. And here he's talking about, Moses, I want you to say to the people, I carried you here on eagles' wings, but I brought you to myself. And the whole purpose of this tabernacle, the whole purpose of us and the cross of Christ and what Jesus did at the Calvary, at Calvary was to bring us to himself, to have that personal relationship with God. And that's what he's saying here to Moses. I brought you here uh, so you uh, could come to me and be my personal friend. I want that relationship with you. That's what the purpose is. So is that you would have that personal relationship. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my commands, then... Um, our 
of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Isn't that beautiful? If we obey God, we will be his treasured possession. And I believe that we are today God's treasured possessions. We are a treasure to him when we give our lives to Christ. When the Lord um, made us his children and we accepted him, we are his treasured possession. And God has done this for a purpose. And in terms of prayer, he said, do you know what? You need to have that personal relationship with me. And I, I just want to talk there about Moses, how when he, um, he was called of God right at the beginning and uh, we know about how he was hid and uh, our Pharaoh um, wasn't happy with what was going on in Egypt, how Israel, the Israelites were taking over, there were thousands of them and um, he, he made a petition to kill all the babies and the, the male child and um, Moses was put in the basket and look, it wasn't by chance, was it? God ordained this, God made this happen that he be hidden and that that uh, daughter be there in the water to take Moses in and Moses was... Um, really um, blessed of God and he was chosen of God from the very beginning. And I just wonder how many of us, it doesn't matter whether God chose you when you were born or whether he chose you last year, but we are chosen to be in a relationship with Lord. And, and God has a purpose in our lives like he did with, with Moses. But um, Moses um, grew up there with the... Um, um, we, we, in, in that house, a different culture, different place. And uh, when he um, went out, he knew that he was different. He went out and he killed the Egyptian. So he knew that he was of God, but, you know, he went out and he took things into his own hands. And sometimes we can do that. We can rush ahead when God has called us for something and we can rush ahead and we can take things into our own uh, hands and it can be a fleshly thing to, to do that but he did that but when this um, Egyptian they said oh you seen someone else he said what are you going to kill me to so he took off and he went away didn't he and he married um, Jethro I think his father-in-law was the daughter and he was away for ages 40 years but one day and you'll know this yourself in the scripture he saw the burning bush God put that burning bush before him and he stood there and he saw the burning bush and God said to him, um, Moses, take off your feet, your shoes, your, your feet, your shoes, you're on holy ground. And, you know, I just think and wonder how many burning bushes are before us? How many burning bushes are before us? And how many times has God said to us, take off your shoes? And, you know, he was talking to Moses here at a time when this was very cultural, you know, that when they went into certain places, they had to take their shoes off. And think about our culture now. What would God say to us to take off? What would God be speaking to us about to take off, to, to get rid of? What, what is it? What's the challenge today that God wants us to take off? Because every one of us, has got a burning bush that's burning in us. And, but, you know, I think about that burning bush and that particular burning bush, it didn't burn right down. It kept burning and burning and burning. 
But, you know, the prayer that God wants us to pray is to be like a consuming fire. He wants us to intercede on behalf of others so as that whatever's going on, that we would be like a consuming fire to those people. And the Lord's looking for us to intercede and to stand in the gap. And Moses, he saw the burning bush and he knew God was speaking to him. And he was a shepherd out there with the sheep with Jethro. And, you know, he turned away from that career to, to, to do another career, which was spiritual. And I just wonder, how many of us need to turn away from what we're doing to follow after what God wants us to do? What is it that God wants us to do? What is it that he wants us to pray about? And I think for me here, just to um, talk about this prayer thing, is, you know, I know that when Jesus prayed, he was very intentional about what he prayed because he sweat bloods, tears of blood. He was very, very intentional. And I believe that there are areas, there are fields of prayer that we, God can call us into. And what is our field of prayer? We are priests. I just explained to you, we are priests. We are people here that stand in the gap for this place of Kuleman. We are here to stand in the gap because God has qualified us to go in there to the Holy of Holies and uplift whatever needs to be prayed for. And I really believe that we have to be very intentional about what we are praying for. What field is God leading us into praying for? There's a scripture over in, um, and I'll finish with this, over in um, Psalm, and I just want to read it to you. It's um, Psalm 110, I think. Let me... See if it's right under the ten, and I think it's three. Okay, let's start with two. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle arrayed in holy majesty from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the day of your youth. And the Lord has sworn he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And I want you to say here, and I heard this, is that the Lord extend the mighty scepture. And I just hear in another translation, extend the mighty rod of Zion. And when you think about Moses and think about the rod that he had and he used and God said, what have you got in your hand? And he threw it down, it was a snake and he took it up again. But his snake, it um, ate up all the other snakes of the, the enemy that came in and he proved that God was the almighty God and there were always a counterfeit and it said that there where Moses was, for anything that God did, there's a counterfeit and there can be a counterfeit for what we are doing in God. But he says here, the Lord will extend our mighty scepter from Zion 
you will rule in the midst of your enemies. And where our enemies are, we become rulers because we are priests. And we are sitting on the throne with Jesus because Jesus rules and he's given us that authority. Even that when he um, created Adam and Eve, he said, take dominion. I want you to rule. I want you to name the animals. I want you to do this. And when Jesus died, he restored that to us that we would be able to take authority over the enemy and we could be somebody in Christ and we could let them know But your troops will be willing on the day of battle. And do you know what? Even though I was talking about soldiers, the troops, we are soldiers and there are many of us, you know, that need to be willing. And young people, I want to say to you, rise up and be willing to take on what God has for you today because uh, arrayed in holy majesty from the womb, even new birth is going to come of the dawn, in the morning. And there's another scripture there that I've quoted before and we all know it about, uh, you know, the former things. And God's going to do a new thing. And I really believe with all my heart you will receive the dew of your youth. And honestly, the youth that we have, God is going to raise them up. God is going to raise up our youth. And I really mean it, you young people. God wants to use you mightily and you have heard the word today and God wants to do a work in our youth and he wants to raise them up to be a mighty army against the enemy and I believe this should be our field of prayer and intercession for our youth and for the people and I know this because see how God exposed that burning bush to Moses this week Not long ago, God has exposed something to us, youth that are running away from home, youth that are doing the wrong thing, they're living in the wrong way, youth that are taking drugs, youth that are harming themselves and wanting to harm themselves, youth that are rebellious. These things have been exposed and this is the field of prayer that God wants me to battle in. And I really believe this is for the church that we see these young people rise up and really take on the challenge and be willing to say, God, I am going to fight the enemy and I want to be a ruler and I want to be a priest and I want to go through that gate, not only on the outer gate, but I want to go in there where you are, Lord, and I want to go into the Holy of Holies and I'm going to fight the battle in prayer. But, do you know, we're not all um, young but we've all got a part to play in this today when God is raising up this army. So I really believe in my heart that I have been challenged by this myself this week and I know you probably know more about the tabernacle than I even do, but God has challenged me with this and then challenged me about prayer. This is what I want you to do. I really need you to be a living sacrifice. I need you to give me offerings. And when Jesus prayed and when Judy and, um, um, what's name, Stuart, was singing there, do you know that is an offering to the Lord, our praise? And that's what we can do. We can praise God. We can pray. We can stand in the gap for the field that God lays on your heart. And I really believe that we should continue 
to pray every day because the Bible says pray without ceasing. And I just want to finish with that and I just pray today, look, if there's anybody here, any young people, anyone here that just want to come out for prayer at all and you feel challenged with this message that God will touch you and that you will rise up and you will be the priest that God wants you to be. Thanks, Amen. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Benina. Look, I won't keep you too long because you're probably keen for a couple, but I just want to say, look, I think at the heart of what Benita has been challenging us here today is that, that we should be praying like we know who we are and where we are. Like, pray like you mean it. Pray like you are the priest that you are in the presence of God, in the Holy of Holies, which we are. You know, Jesus is our mediator. Heaven's not some, some distant place that we've kind of got to travel to get to, is it? I mean, it used to be distant to us, but it's not now, is it? Because we know Jesus. He is our, our mediator, our connector, our, our, our point of connection, our, our entry point into heaven, into the holiest of holy places, into the presence of God. So do you pray like you mean it? Do you pray like you know where you are? Do you pray like you know who you are? His priest partnering with him, seeing his kingdom advance. All right, I'm just going to say amen and let's enjoy a cuppa.